Okay. I'm going to start this morning by just saying this is our first time doing this together. It's like not even a date yet. We're just meeting. So I just, I just want you to take some time with me. Be patient with me. I'll be patient with you. And we're going to get through this together, okay? We're a little bit nervous. We hadn't done this before, but again, we just met. All right? So I, as I do this, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, and I, I want you to uh, tell me a little bit about you. Over time, we'll get to know each other better. But the first thing you need to know about me is that I like prayer. I love prayer. In fact, it, it's my thing. Prayer kind of helps me go in prayer is my favorite form of worship. It's the way that I go deeper in God, and it creates a place of worship that I love to enjoy. And I spoke with Lady Anne on last week, and for her, it's, it's singing. And for Daniel, it's, it's, it's playing and music and, and worship. And for Tim, it's also playing. And for Pastor Brian, I imagine it's preaching right? And so in Lady Stephanie, I imagine for her, it is its service. And so I imagine you have one of those things too, that favorite place of worship that you like, and that helps you to build your connection with God. It helps you to go to a place in God that you love to enjoy. And in that space, you feel worship, you feel God, you can connect you probably, even in that space, feel somehow worthy. You can find God there. So each of these examples notates wonderful forms of worship, yet when we worship God in these forms, I imagine that we sometimes, we, we do it alone, and we forget about those people who come alongside us. And so I wonder if we forget that worship is not just a private place, but it's in the beauty of those places of worship where we find God, where we find God. And so truly, I imagine worship should be a place where we find ourselves returning from our individual connection with God to begin to connect with one another. And I'm going to push the envelope a little bit here. I'm going to go out a little further because what I want you to hear me saying is that worship is not about just us. Worship is about justice, one and for all. You see, as I prayed the other night, I became consumed in my preferred form of worship, and I found myself drawn to this excerpt of Hebrews, and I continued to pray, and I cried. And as I cried out to God, I realized that I had a great grief that had built up in my heart, and I was crying about God's people. Earlier that day, my spirit had been disturbed by homelessness, something that I witnessed in this very community. I was disturbed in my spirit, and so my spirit had a longing to connect with God, to connect with God on behalf of another. My spirit had a longing to have communion on behalf of someone outside of myself. So as I read through this particular text, I considered what would be discussed here on today. I was drawn to compare how our individual practice of worship often contrasts with what Hebrews tells us about righteousness. 
Hebrews says that God's kingdom endures forever and that righteousness is the scepter of the kingdom. Righteousness is the rod and the rule of the kingdom. Right justice is the rod and the rule of God's kingdom. When we look at the terms justice and righteousness, let us ask, how is it that we can consider justice if the only ones that we consider are ourselves, are those who are immediately connected to us? When seeking justice, should we serve just us? Or could it be that righteousness in Hebrews reminds us to consider the children of God in a way that causes us to go beyond ourselves? You see, the question that I'm posing and answer for on today is a question regarding what it means to embody and be a part of the great communion, that great family of God's kingdom here on earth. That's our job. And how can we be a part of that great community that not only serves God, but understands that service to God compels us and even requires us to serve and seek justice for others. I took a walk through all of Hebrews this week, actually. And in Hebrews, the new Christians who were a bit of Jews and a bit of Gentiles were being encouraged to find themselves returning to God. Some had endured persecution, yet they were encouraged to return to Jesus Christ. Some had endured hardships, and they were in a place where some members of the body were falling away from the very foundations of Christianity. Could that be us? No pandemics were mentioned, but could that be us? Just like us, this community of believers was getting out of sync with the connections that had been established for them to be God's kingdom come here on earth. They were getting out of touch with the first example, the first model, the firstborn, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I really do wonder if, if this really is us. Are we getting out of sync with that original connection, that original example, that original model of what community really is? Are we losing touch, you all? Are we losing our greatest connection and call to justice? In understanding today's excerpt in the text of Hebrews, it speaks to us once again about righteousness. And it's a portion of the Bible that talks to us about right living, right standing, right journeying, right walking, right community. And what is right to do in community? What is right to do in community? In Christ, we see not just right community, not just righteousness, but right justice. The firstborn child of God modeled a path that was held to be more important than the role of the angels. And, and I get excited right here, I must be honest. I must be honest, that excites me to know that Jesus Christ was considered to be more important than the angels. And if we come to find that Jesus is more important than the angels, how important then are we? 
How important then is our work? If Christ's work was that important, how important is the work of our own hands? How important is it? This passage encourages me, you all, to know that we can't just send our goods. We can't just send a cash app, Venmo, Zelle, right? Just drop it off at the Goodwill. Do you have that here, the Goodwill? Drop it off, go back home, right? We can't just send that help. This encourages me to know that if we follow the model of Jesus Christ, we have to send ourselves. We have to go out. Not just drop off a, a box, maybe drop off some members of your family. Hey, you do this work today. Drop off the children. You do this work. And don't just drop them off. You got to go with them, right? That's what Jesus did. God didn't just drop Jesus off, right? God came in the form of Jesus and went out to do that work. So we must embody what help looks like, what service looks like, what compassion and peace and generosity looks like what the righteousness of God's kingdom looks like. For God sent Christ, and Christ came and did the work, you all. Christ walked among the people. Christ walked with the people. And Hebrews tells us that Christ loved righteousness and hated injustice. And sometimes it really surprises me how often we really seem to miss the need for us to go out into this world and do the work. Okay, no more just sending the cash out. How much does it cost? And you do your math and you write the checks. But what does it mean for us to even take a check if that's what you'll do? It's not that we don't need the financial resources, but we need bodies to go out and do the work in the fields, right? Right? That's what we need. And so if Christ did the work, the challenge today is why don't we? Why can't we do that work? Christ walked with people. Why can't we or why don't we do that form of justice? Too often we hear about a need and simply call the 1-800 number, right? Too often we hear about or see that there's a tragedy and we only send up a prayer. Now, I'm not telling you to stop praying. I just told you I love praying, so I'm going to keep on praying. But too often we hear about injustice and we consciously even we miss the call. The calls that we're hearing are not just for us to be aware, but sometimes things stop right on your front door so that you can take action. Not so you can simply come back to church and say, hey, you heard about, did you hear about, did you see about? Sometimes it comes right to your front door so you can take notice. And I believe God is calling us, but the question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Okay, so the work isn't only in our pocketbooks, and I'm a millennial, so the work would be in my cell phone, my app, okay? It's not just there. The work is not just in my emotion-filled prayers when I'm all by myself crying about one of you. That's not the only work that God is requiring me to do, and I imagine it's not the only work that God is requiring you to do. But I'm just imagining here, okay? So as much as Anne loves music and and singing, and Brian loves preaching, and Stephanie loves 
serving, and Tim loves playing. The work of justice is out in this world, my friends. It's out in this world. You know, God's kingdom here on earth, it requires us to do justice out in the world. It requires us to serve God's people who might be caught up in this world, which leads them even further away from the God who loves us all. You see, so often we don't understand the trial, the tribulation, the transgression, or even the sin of our fellow. But can we look past the differences long enough to answer God's call to help God's people in the grand fight for justice in a world that's so full of inequality and hate? Because if we do not go out into this world and do God's work, if we do not go out into this community and help the oppressed and those in need, it will indeed be difficult when we are trying to do the work of calling God's children back home. For a while, we are all called in our community and we're calling on people to return to this place of worship. God calls on us to return to the model of Christ. We must, you all, we must return to the work of justice, the great work that Jesus did. And that is our job. That is, that is our work. When I was in that room earlier this week, crying for a homeless friend who I did not even know, who I did not even meet, it made me wonder. It really made me wonder how I was so drawn to tears and grief in a context that is not technically my own. But that's what we do, don't we? We say, well, it's not my problem. Those are not my people. But to remind you of Ruth's story from last week, I want to ask you, when do we get to a point where God's people become our people? Where the things that God would call a problem becomes our problem? When do we get to a point where justice in the communities outside of these walls would cause people to see our God as their God? But they first have to see us. And I imagine when we say, when do we get to a point where we see and let our God becomes the people's God? That is a powerful question. It's a powerful way for us to reframe what justice actually looks like because you see, it's not simply that we are serving people, but justice, service, helps us to serve God. It helps draw us into a new form of worship. I imagine that I'm asking you a few different questions. I want you to follow me here closely. When we go out and feed the local community, do they see us or do they see God? When we go out and we take care of the widow or the widower, do they see us or do they see God? When we go out and we give a ride to the local team who wants a job, but the walk is discouraging, does that person see us or does that person see God? And here I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. When we take that trek outside, across the road, across the railroad tracks, across the racial divide, across the denominational line, when we become the seat of welcome for the justice battles that others are fighting, 
Do those people see us or do they see God? You see, it's easy to worship when one is comfortable, when one is walking as a solo member of the kingdom. It's easy for me to worship God in my personal prayer space. But when I see homelessness, I can't help but be compelled to to see a child of God. It's easy to worship when we're in our individual worship spaces because there's no homelessness there. There's no need there. There's no oppression there. There's no fight in our individual bodies. But I imagine that our worship should compel us to see the fight that is existing on behalf of others. I imagine that our worship that compels us to see God should also compel us to see God's children. So Hebrews again tells us that God's throne is the throne of justice. And so when we get to these individual spaces of worship, the question should be asked, what can I do? How can I help? How can I do what the firstborn did and walk among the people and do the work of God's kingdom Because that's what Hebrews is reminding us. There used to be prophets that spoke about this, and then there was the person. There used to be just sermons that speak about justice, but this is a call to people. We're hearing that God showed us God in the form of Jesus. And in the form of Jesus, we saw salvation And that salvation fought for justice, but that salvation worked with people before it became salvation in the reality of the cross. Okay, so it is our charge on today perhaps to take care of, love on, work for the peace within the bodies of God's beloved community. Again, that work that God did didn't just send the word or send some resources but the work of God could be seen among the people. We live in a space in ministry where we want people to be drawn to God, yet we don't want to be the God that they see. Too often our pride gets in the way and we claim we have little to no time to do God's work. But I want you to remember that the most important work was already done in Jesus Christ. So on today, my friends, My friends, dear children of God, God is calling us to return to the work of the firstborn. Our work here is the work of justice, the work of seeing all God's children as equal, worthy of love, worthy of our time, worthy of their own measure of freedom, and ultimately worthy of God's love. Often again, we would rather give up our our money than spend our time. We would rather empty our closets than empty our hearts. We would rather fill our churches than to go out and fill the community. I'm calling on you today as individuals and as the church body. I'm challenging you and myself to expand beyond the horizons of our worship and worship God from this point on in ways that look like right living, right working, right walking, right journeying, right standing, right doing, and right justice, not just righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God.